Please rise for today's scripture reading, for the reading of our Lord. If you have your Bible, you can open up with me to John chapter 14. We'll be re reading verses 1 through 7. Thank you for those that uh, got the memo. Wow, this is great to see so many real physical Bibles out in our hands. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. No more screen, no more PowerPoint, no more distractions. We're going to read out of the real Bible here. So this is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Bless the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we humbly come before you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence, to hear your word, to stand on your truth, to celebrate life through you. Jesus, we pray that you draw us closer to you today. I pray that those of us who know you would be encouraged in our faith, that we'd be emboldened, that we'd be challenged. Lord, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you who's here this morning, that you would draw them to yourself as they hear the words of life from this book of truth and life that we base our lives off of. Lord, I pray that we would change our lives to match what your word says and not the other way around. God, I pray for humble hearts this morning. Lord, I pray against spiritual attacks this morning. My goodness. So many crazy things happening already on this first Sunday. So, Lord, we pray that you'd bind Satan from this place. We pray that you would unstop the ears of those that he is trying to prevent from hearing these words of truth and life this morning. In the name of Jesus, we claim your blood over this place, and we pray that you would reign. We pray for soft hearts. We pray for attentive ears. We pray for open minds to hear what your spirit is telling to this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. I really like this pulpit. <laughs> so now we can literally say, Pastor Paul has the pulpit this morning. <laughs> I, I've invited a couple other uh, friends of mine too and told them we're meeting in this new church that has a real pulpit. And uh, no, this, what a joy and pleasure it is here to be with, with each of you today. Uh, my name is Paul Letvin. I'm one of two pastors with Submerged Church. And we are delighted to have you join us on this historic Sunday, June 4th, 2023. Although we recently had a temporary service here at South Pleasant Church on Easter Sunday, April 9th, today is our inaugural regular service to be held here uh, with many more to come, Lord willing. Uh, what an honor it is to carry on the legacy and purpose intended for this building as a house of worship that I'm sure was held by the leaders and founders upon its completion in 1890, which was 133 years ago. And many of you know 
this church building discontinued services in 2013 in Christine, North Dakota. So it has now been 10 years that this church has been vacant uh, with a congregation worshiping in it, and what a delight it is a decade later to have a congregation regularly meeting here, as long as Bonanzaville will have us. They've been a great staff to work with, by the way. Let's, let's, let's give Bonanzaville a round of applause. I know uh, Megan, the events coordinator, has been overwhelmed and so delighted with the volunteer work that many of you have already provided, so thank you so much for showing this place the true love of Christ and that, that Christ came to serve, and, and that's what we're called to do as well. So uh, thank you for everyone who's been a part of that. You know, I've, wondered, I've pondered many times what it would be like to step back in time and join one of the first services that was held in this building, to see it in its initial glory, to meet the people who had the vision of this church. And by the way, if anyone knows anyone from the original congregation of this church, I would love to to meet them and hear stories about this church. But thankfully, uh, Bonanzaville has provided us with the opportunity to experience, experience a small glimpse into the past by bringing this building here. Recently, our family took a trip out of town and I was up late reading my Bible when the Lord struck me uh, with a verse from Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, and it says, The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. That's Haggai 2, verse 9. Now, in that moment, I immediately connected this verse to Submerged Church holding services in this house of the Lord, South Pleasant Church. This has now become my prayer for our church meeting here. O Lord, may the latter glory of this house be even greater than the former, that you, O Lord, would be greatly glorified through our presence in this place, and that this would be a place of peace where people can come and receive the peace of Christ. Amen. In today's scripture reading, Jesus commands us, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. There is no shortage of things happening in our world and culture today that can trouble our hearts, which is why we need the peace of Christ all the more. Later in John chapter 14, Jesus promises us in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. This world may try to offer us substitutes for peace, but only the true peace of Jesus Christ will take away our fears and calm our hearts and souls. And that is the peace that I pray we can all be filled with when we meet in this place. Jesus also tells us from today's scripture reading in John chapter 14 that he has gone to prepare a place for us. Although this is referring to a heavenly place that all believers in Jesus Christ will go to one day, I believe that Jesus has also prepared this place right here, South Pleasant Church, for our church to meet at in this very moment of history, which is all part of his story. It's all part of his story, and we're living it out. Now, regarding this transition for Submerged Church moving into this building, I and perhaps some of you have maybe felt a little like Thomas from John 
14.5, which was read. Thomas asked, how can we know the way? We might be asking, one, what direction should our church be going? Two, what focus should we have at our gatherings? Three, what outcome do we want as a result of our gatherings? The answer to all three of these questions is one and the same. And it's found in John 14, verse 6. It's the one verse I printed out at the top of your bulletin uh, if you're following along with the notes. And the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is our direction. Jesus is the truth. He is our focus. Jesus is the life. He is our desired outcome. So today we dedicate this building once again as a house of the Lord, and we decide to choose Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. We invite you to do the same, which is the big idea for today's message, the big idea, choose Jesus to find the way, the truth, and the life. Let's look at these three aspects from John chapter 14, verse 6, of whom Jesus is. And like I said, uh, I, I kept the notes simple today. There's only three fill-ins. If you're paying attention at all, you probably already know what the answers are. It's in the back of the book. No, it's at the top, it's at the top of the page. But uh, please follow with me in anything that the Lord speaks to you. I encourage you just to take some of your own notes. So number one, Jesus is the way. So the answer for the number one is way. That's W-A-Y, Austin. Not, not, not W-D-A-Y, but just W-A-Y, yeah. Okay, although Austin used to work for KBRR, we know that. Anyway, Jesus is the way. He is our direction. Proverbs 2.20 tells us, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Jesus is the good shepherd. There he is, the good shepherd. He cares for the flock. He goes after the one and leaves the 99. Jesus is our good shepherd. There's another picture of Jesus, the shepherd downstairs. What, man, what a great image to be reminded of, isn't it? We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and we need Jesus to bring us back into the fold. He tells us in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Those of us who know Jesus, the good shepherd, who also knows us through relationship with him, we know that he leads us in the good way. Notice that Jesus is the way and not a way. The all, the all roads lead to Rome principle does not apply here. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said in John 14, 6. Jesus is the good way to heaven. You, you may think that you are following a good way for your life right now, but if you don't know Jesus and he doesn't know you, then no matter how good that path seems that you are on, it is ultimately leading you away from the Father and down toward the path to hell. As we are all sinners, Jesus is the only righteous path that we can take. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2, 1. When we believe in and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, he takes away our sin. He becomes our righteous path to heaven and acts as our advocate. 
What must we do to go this good and righteous way? Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew 3 verses uh, 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So what did John the Baptist do to prepare the way of the Lord? He told the people to repent. He even told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious and political leaders of the day, to quote, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, Matthew 3, verse 8. So we too need to turn around from our way on the path of sin leading to hell and turn to follow the way of Jesus on the path of righteousness. That's what repent means, to turn around. Repent was a military term describing a soldier marching in one direction and doing an about-face 180 degrees turn. That's what repent means. Some of the first words that Jesus spoke after he began his ministry confirmed and echoed John the Baptist that the way of the Lord is the path of repentance. The way of the Lord is the path of repentance, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some of the very first words that Jesus spoke when he started his ministry were, repent. You know, some churches and pastors say that they just preach the gospel, that Jesus died for everyone's sins, and we all get to go to heaven. Well, guess what? Jesus preached, repent. If you choose me, I'm giving you a way to be freed from the slavery of your sins, to turn away and to follow me. He's inviting us. He's given us a way out. If you were locked up in slavery and someone gave you the key, wouldn't you want to use that key to unlock and, and be free again? That's what Jesus is offering us. He knows that we're slaves to our sins. Jesus won't be celebrating anyone's pride this month as the proud ones party down the path of, of sin and destroy their own souls. Jesus will be celebrating people's humility. Those who turn around from their way of destruction and follow him and find rest for their souls. This all reminds me of the words of our Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Verse 16, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. 
I sent watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. And isn't that what we see in our world, in our culture, in this country today? People are being warned to turn away from their sin and they, they reject it. They're delighting in their own foolishness, their own folly, their own sinful ways. And God's trying to warn them through, through people like us that stand on God's truth and say, there's a better way. There's a better way to live your life. And this isn't it. And so many people say, no, we're going to go our own way. But if they only knew, if they turned away, they could have peace and rest for their souls. I pray that everyone here escapes the wrath of God and the disaster coming on this nation because of its great sins. This will only happen if we pay attention to God's word and walk in the good way, the only way, which is Jesus Christ. Only then will we truly be at peace and find rest for our souls. As a side, this is one of the main reasons and sources of persecution toward Christians in the world today. Did you know that? The exclusivity of salvation. Jesus is the only way, which is not inclusive. If you choose Jesus as the way, be prepared, be ready for persecution, which is the focus of our study that's starting this Wednesday, should you be able to join us. Number two, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is our focus. Secular humanism today would say there is no truth or that each person can have their own truth. Not so with God. 2 Samuel 7.28 says, Now, Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. So God's word equals truth. In John 1.1, we are told, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So John is, of course, referring to Jesus as the word. So if Jesus, A, equals the word, B, and the word, B, equals truth, C, is this math too hard for you guys? <laughs> and the word, B, equals truth, C, do they even teach this to kids anymore? Then Jesus, A, equals the truth, C. You follow that? A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C, right? So, so Jesus is the truth, based on 2 Samuel 7, 28 and John 1, verse 1. Why did Jesus come into the world? Some would say to bring us salvation and to save us from our sins. This is not entirely incorrect, but Jesus tells us this in John 18, verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. That's why Jesus came, to bear witness to the truth. When we listen to the words of Jesus' voice, we are listening to the truth. And the truth sets us free from the chains of sin, lies, deceptions, and delusions. Jesus promises us this in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, we've heard that. I think it's even the motto of a certain uh, Ivy League school. I think it's written in Latin, like the truth will set you free. Uh, So everyone knows that part, right? But, But they haven't heard what comes right before that. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, Jesus said. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, first we have to submit ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that he is the only way. And once we do that, then we start to understand the truth, and the Holy Spirit makes it clear to us. There's so many people who don't know Jesus, and they read this Bible, and they, they, they think it's just some other historical artifact that was made up by men, blah, 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 and they put more credit in other books like uh, the Odyssey or something where there's only can, like eight original manuscripts instead of this one, which has thousands upon thousands, I mean, the, the most credible book in history, uh, but, they, but they choose to reject it because they don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. So they reject it because they want to be their own God. They don't want to be accountable to anybody. Satan has been trying to get us to doubt the truth of God's word from the beginning. It's the oldest trick in the good book. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? See, Satan caused doubt after not even quoting God directly. So first first of all, he asked the question, and then he misquoted God. And I know that the news crews here today will not misquote me because they're filming everything, so they can look back and listen to it, right? So everything's being recorded, just like God recorded his word. And we can read that. And that's not what God said. He said, you you may eat of any tree, right? That's what he said, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, Satan twisted God's words. And that's what he does to cause deceptions. There's there's usually a a good amount of truth with a little bit of lie sprinkled in that Satan uses to deceive us, right? So you see, there's two types of people in this world. There's number one, there's the God has said. There's that group of people. And then the second group is... Has God said? Which, which one are you? Are you a God has said person or are you a has God said person? Will you believe God at his word? Remember that Satan is the father of lies. In John 8, Jesus tells us, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wait a minute. I thought we were all God's children. Why did Jesus just say, you are of your father the devil? We're not all God's children. Yet to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It says in John chapter 1, you, yes, everyone is created in the image of God. Every person I'm looking at is made in God's image. However, you are not a child of God if you believe what this book says in John chapter 1, verse 12, you are not a child of God until you believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as your savior. And then he adopts us into his family. 
Until then, and right now, the sons of Satan, of disobedience, are ruling this world. Satan wouldn't want us to believe this. But there is such a thing as truth. There is such a thing as truth. The Bible is full of truth and distinctions. There is truth and lies, good and evil, right and wrong, light and darkness, up and down, left and right, clean and unclean, holy and unholy, innocent and guilty, male and female, man and woman. The shedding of innocent blood in the womb is wrong, yet God forgives abortion. That's truth. There are only two genders, male and female, created in the image of God, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's truth. That's truth. That's what the Bible says. We need to stop falling for the lies of the world and start standing on the truth of God. How do we know what is true? Open your Bible and read it. We need to stop saying, well, the government says, or research says, or the media says, or, well, my teacher says, and we need to start saying, the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says. That's what we need to start saying. We don't need to fact check God's word. Remember, whoever is doing the censoring is lying. If one is telling a lie, they must hide and suppress the truth to cover up their lie. If one is telling the truth, there's nothing to hide. There's nothing to hide. Jesus is the truth. And lastly, number three, Jesus is the life. That's the last answer. Jesus is the life. He is our outcome. Who wants to live a fulfilling and purposeful life? I do. Any? Oh, we got a couple? Okay, good, good. The rest are still thinking about it. That's okay. <laughs> I want to live, live a fulfilling and purposeful life. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Satan wants to destroy our lives, while Jesus wants to give us abundant life. John 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Jesus is the life, and more specifically, the source of eternal life. Do you want to live forever? Choose Jesus. The globalists right now are trying to become God. They don't want to choose Jesus. They want to do it their own way. They're too proud to admit that they're sinners, that we've sinned against God, and they're trying to find their own way to heaven, just like the Tower of Babel. And I guess, guess what happened at the Tower of Babel? Their plans got messed up a bit, didn't they? You can be sure, God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. He sees everything going on. If you want to live forever, it's real easy. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Choose Jesus. What is eternal life? John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life. Listen carefully. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. 
We need to know God and know Jesus Christ, and that is eternal life. The only way to live forever in the presence of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and all the fellow saints for all eternity in heaven, that's the only way. If you don't want to get to know Jesus in this life, you, won't, you wouldn't enjoy spending an eternity with him in the next life. Consequently, there's only one alternative, and that's hell. See, God is so kind, he gives us what we want. If you want a relationship with him, you want to know the God who created you, wonderful. Come and get to know me for all eternity in heaven. You don't want to get to know God? You want to go your own way? God says, okay. If you wouldn't want to get to know me in this life, you wouldn't want to know me in the next life either. And apart from me, there's nothing good. That's what hell is. It's the absence of God. What's the absence of light? Darkness. What's the absence of heat? Cold. That's what hell is. It's the absence of God. And that's the only alternative. Would you gain the whole world and forfeit your own soul? Mark 8, 36. Let's heed the message of Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Last night, I realized that there was at least one profound common word in all four of the songs that I selected for our worship service today. I didn't plan this, and that one common word, that one profound common word that stuck out to me was blood. Blood. Leviticus 17.11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And that's why the blood of Jesus is so precious. And that's why we sing about it. The abundant life, the eternal life, is in the shedding of Jesus' blood. Without his blood, there is no life. John 6, 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is why the Lord's Supper, which we will partake in today, is so important. Jesus commanded us to do this in remembrance of me. Luke twenty-two nineteen. We must remember the sacrifice that he made for us. Jesus is inviting you to make him the way the truth, and the life in your own life. Will you accept his invitation? Will you accept his invitation? And I know, I hope, I pray, I trust everyone in this room has already done that. This would be a good day to renew that dedication. Perhaps some of us have strayed a little bit. We've started going down our own path. Get back on the good way that leads to righteousness. Maybe some of us have been allowing ourselves to be consumed with some deceptions, some lies, some things that have been pervasive. Repent of that and, and start reading your Bible so that you know the truth and the truth can set you free. Perhaps some of you haven't been feeling a lot of excitement or purpose in your life. You've been feeling depressed. Look to Jesus who wants to give us abundant 
life. The Christian life is the most exciting life you'll ever live. And it's not a life of comfort. It's not a life of luxury. If you're comfortable and luxurious and never getting persecuted and no one ever says anything bad about you, you might want to ask yourself, how, how closely am I following Jesus? Because he promised that we would be persecuted for standing on his truth and not compromising for it. Will you accept his invitation to be the way, the truth, and the life? So my urging to you, once again, the big idea, choose Jesus to find the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, that you are the truth, you are the life. And Lord, that's what we choose to stand on today. We choose to stand on you, Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand. So we stand on you, Jesus. We stand on your word. I pray we'd stop falling for the lies of of Satan, of this world, of this culture, and we would start standing on the truth, Lord. I pray we'd be ready to pay the price for that. As you promised, we'd be persecuted. Lord, I pray that we would claim you as the source of life, that we would follow you wholeheartedly. Oh, Lord, I pray for anyone here today who has strayed away from you or those who have never gone down your path of righteousness, that they would turn away from death and destruction, they would repent of their sins, and then they would turn towards you and follow the good way, the the righteous path. That we wouldn't be like those in Jeremiah 6 who rejected and said, we will not walk in it. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would accept your invitation and say, yes, Jesus, I will walk in your path today. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for shedding your precious blood which gives us eternal life. And we thank you that you instituted the Lord's Supper for us to remember the sacrifice that you paid for us. Lord, I pray that we too would be willing to sacrifice ourselves for you and the sake of the gospel. Thank you for being here, Lord. We pray you'd bless this time now as we remember what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.